Welcome to the Focus on Why podcast. I'm Amy Rowlandson and I ask my guests one simple question, why? Focusing on the importance of why, I share with you the relatable, uplifting and inspiring conversations I have with people from all walks of life. This podcast will encourage you to focus on your why to enable and empower you to achieve the success you desire. Have a purpose, have a plan, focus on why. Before we start, I would like to draw your attention to what I can offer you as a master coach. I can help you to focus on your why with clarity, uniting your passion with your purpose with a plan to create the life you truly desire. Book a free 20 minute coaching call right now via calendly.com forward slash Amy Rowlandson forward slash call and we can take it from there. Today on Focus on Why, I am joined by the delightful, the delicious Kate Trafford. Welcome, Kate. Thanks so much, Amy. It's fantastic to be here. Well, where is here for you and what is it you're doing at the moment? Well, here is uh, very sunny right now, northwest of England. I'm in Warrington, about halfway between Manchester and Liverpool. And what am I up to right now? I've I've spent a, a truly wonderful morning, partly writing, partly with coaching clients, And I am so excited to have this conversation with you because we have such a shared passion for the why. And where does your passion come from? I know where mine's come from. What about yours? Well, I think that it probably goes back a really long way. I think I realized at a relatively early age that um, I was far more interested and curious around things that felt meaningful to me. You know, this idea of of, uh, following your authentic curiosity and so on started quite young. And I was I was reading self-help books, uh, what I would now know as self-help books when I was in my teens. You know, as my friends were all pinning up their Duran Duran posters, I've just totally date stamped myself with that reference. But as they were, as they were doing that, I was leafing my way through um, personal development books and really wanting to discover how I could set myself up for a really enjoyable, wonderful, but high contribution life. I think I knew at an early age that I wanted to make a difference in the world and discovering your own unique why and what matters most to you is of course fundamental to that so it really started very young (laughs) do you know I'm so jealous in in so many respects because I had no idea that this was all available to me until literally my early 40s so wow how has it been having had that over all these decades having had that early curiosity sort of peaked and then being able to explore it? Well, don't be too impressed because it was actually much later. Uh, I can date stamp that as age 29. Uh, I'll tell you why in a moment. But it was much, much later that the penny actually dropped, that that was something that I could turn into a career, right? You know, that it could be the centre of my life. I... I actually went into engineering originally was my professional background, believe it or not. So I've taken a very scenic route to where I am today as a coach working in uh, the corporate environment, helping people to set themselves up for authentic success. That's my current passion. But it was tangential. It was it was my it was for my own 
personal development originally. I just really wanted to be very, very good at my job. That's when I invested in um, communication skills and personal effectiveness, you know, seven habits of highly effective people and all of that good stuff. I just devoured that by, you know, in book form and on on, on tapes as it was back in the day. Um, when I was traveling with work, when I was driving up and down, I would be listening to something because I couldn't read at the time. I just devoured all of that stuff. And it was only when I went off on maternity leave for the first time. And um, as I say, I was 29 years old at the time. I was doing a job that I really enjoyed. But as I took that maternity leave and I, I just absolutely fell in love with my baby girl and my, my, new, my new job, if you like, I had a little bit of an early midlife crisis I think it's fair to say because I felt completely torn uh, I, I knew that I was absolutely passionate about the work I was doing um, which at that time at that point was sort of government relations in in public affairs by then and I absolutely loved that I loved the intellectual stimulation I loved um, helping to make connections and being influential towards shared common aims. You know, I absolutely adored my job. And I also wanted to be the best mum that I could possibly be to my daughter. Um, and it was just, I just had a, a real dilemma around it. So the way that I navigated that was to think about if I could do anything, if I could contribute anything to the world, um, you know, what would that be? Almost with a blank sheet of paper. And it was really at that point, as I glanced across at the pile of personal development books, the latest pile of personal development books, that was so high, it pretty much needed scaffolding, um, all waiting to be read, uh, that, that I realised this has been almost a lifelong passion and what excited me the most was the idea that I could share some of what I'd learned because I actually started out as a trainer in in that um in sort of people skills and behavioral stuff started as a trainer first the coaching came a little bit later but I could share some of what I'd learned and also help other people to discover what what their best work was going to be you know the work that wouldn't feel like work you know those moments where you just feel like the right person in the right place at the right time and even though you're adding a lot of value for the people around you it's just you've got more energy at the end than you had at the start and that that's a big part of what I do today I love that and oh my goodness honestly we we, we were almost at the same time with our children I had my my first daughter a little bit earlier than that age and and I always remember sitting there thinking what to do between 10 and 2 every day and thinking this is crazy why can I not think of something that will tap into this resource that I have that I I spent and invested all this time I don't want to work for a company but I can't think of a business that I could create and you know it took me another two decades almost to get there well not that long but it took me a long time 
And so you've got this pile of books, which has required scaffolding to to sort of hold it up. And and yes, you've you know probably got a pile of of ironing of equal amount. What step did you take next, Kate? Well, I think in terms of clarifying what form this new track might take, this you know what what did turn into a, a business as you're as you're aware, albeit back in corporate land but as a as um, an independent consultant and um the next step was to clarify what that was going to be about you know if I really was going to be the right person in the right place at the right time what did I want that focus to be and it was at that point when I actually asked a question it was prompted by a very dear friend of mine um, by the name of Elizabeth Soren, wonderful, wonderful coach who supported me while I was off on maternity leave, having my little crisis. And she asked me if I'd ever been envious of anybody else doing their job. And it's, it was really interesting, Amy, because at first the question didn't really resonate with me because I'm not a particularly jealous or envious person. But as I stayed with the question a little bit longer, the thing that came to mind for me was being on some trainings in NLP, which I know you're very familiar with. For your listeners, if they're not familiar with NLP, I often describe it as the the art and science of excellence. And I'd done um, quite a lot of training. And what came to mind for me was seeing the two people sitting there at the front of the room and thinking, you just got the best job in the world. You know, being a catalyst for the untapped potential of all kinds of people, being in a room with people who really, really want to be there and can't wait to learn, can't wait to discover more. I just thought, you have got the best job in the world. And of course, it isn't inherently the best job in the world you and I both know many people who would rather be roasted over a hot spit than stand at the front of a room and speak to a large group of people but that resonance was there for me and so that was what really guided me towards the idea of of doing trainers training uh, which was the first step that I took was to to um, step out and get some experience with the help of my friend Elizabeth um, and who showed me the ropes once I'd made my decision it was so funny she was actually pregnant herself at the time but hadn't said anything it was early days and she said now that you've made your decision and this is what you want to do I think I think we might be able to help each other the way it played out was that I took care of her business while she was on maternity leave and she showed me the ropes and and mentored me through that first year which was just a wonderful uh, some people would say coincidence I would say synchronicity just a really magical synchronicity that worked beautifully for us both and it it was really from there and I, I think that's the thing about when you're on your authentic path you don't get all of the answers up front. You get them a stage at a time. It's a bit like your sat-nav when, you, when you're driving. Your sat-nav doesn't give you every twist and turn, every little maneuver you're going to make up front. It, it gives you one move at a time. And I think that your unconscious mind 
is is similar. It, it gives you what what you need. It gives you the insight when you're ready for it, and then you get to act on it. And I that's certainly been true for me. So I was so thrilled in my new role. It was daunting. Don't get me wrong. It was oh, even looking back now, I think it was it felt very brave at the time, and yet very right. Just completely utterly right and if you'd asked me then if there was anything else I could imagine doing and loving more I would have I would have just laughed but of course your your why grows as you do and so as you strive to contribute you grow as a person the more you grow the more you can contribute the more you contribute the more you grow it's like a virtuous upward spiral of insight and self-discovery and opportunity and I've never looked back yeah I love that and it is a spiral it is that contribution and purpose piece that are heavily involved with one another and the fulfillment pieces is in that as well it's yeah for sure the daunting the brave the courage that you stepped into this new path what I want to, to pick up on is you talked about the catalyst of untapped potential. Mm. And and I love that as, as a phrase, a standalone phrase. But also, what is what is the catalyst that you find now is untapping your potential? What was it that untapped your potential? Wow, that's a great question. So as I've already said, I had I worked with a coach and I'm I'm, of course, going to be an advocate for that because I am a coach. But before I was a coach, I worked with a coach and I've I've actually consistently worked with a coach. It's the, the particular individual has changed as time has gone on. But I've I've worked with a coach ever since. I've always had that. And um you know, my, co my coach at the moment is John Overdorf. He's over, based over in America. We used to speak by Skype <laughs> back in the day, pre-Zoom and Teams and all of that. And he's just been an amazing um, support, provocateur, reflector, mirror, everything uh, for me in recent years. And I'm, I'm deeply grateful to him. So I think the thing about that for me is that it's a little bit like the old saying about you can't see the wood for the trees. Um, when it comes to our own untapped potential, we're so close to the tree. We've got bark burn on our noses. You know, that's how close to the tree we are. So even though I am a coach and I'm very experienced, as are you and all of that, you can't be in, in your own connected immersed space and outside of that analyzing at the same time you can move between those two spaces and there's a lot that you can do self-coaching your way through challenges and opportunities but I think having somebody there who can hold a, a safe space where you can get the data so to speak you can immerse yourself in your reflections and the questions that come your way and then you can come out and spot those patterns and see what's most significant and most important at the time is just invaluable it, it really is and that's what I hope I offer to my clients is 
I don't have to sit with somebody for very long before I start to see their brilliance. And that's one of the things that keeps this why so alive for me is it's different every day. It doesn't matter that I've been doing it for years. It's every single day. Every conversation is different. And so my fascination with people and my my curiosity about who they really are under all the layers of conditioning and all the layers of the ideas they've got about themselves, some of which are really empowering and many of which are not for most of us, um, being able to see what's really there and reflect that back and to see that moment of recognition where it's like, Yes, you know, that's that's exactly that's me, but they've either never recognized it previously or they've never had a way of expressing or articulating their greatness. And and then of course that plays out in all kinds of practical ways because whether they are sitting down with their line manager and exploring what their their career going forward or the kinds of opportunities they'd look for, where they'd like to make a bigger contribution sideways shifts all of that is so much easier when you're able to express what you're most excited to bring so it's it's wonderful it's wonderful and you picked up earlier you you mentioned about the work wouldn't feel like work and this is what I'm feeling now that you're saying that this is just not work for you this is just fabulous and it's about the energy you mentioned the word energy earlier and you've you're bringing so much energy into this conversation Kate are there moments when you lack energy? Oh, of course. Absolutely. I mean, I think, well, there are a couple of things to say there. I think, firstly, recognising that there is nothing that's inherently energising. Right? There are things that I do that energise me that somebody else would just, ugh, you know, it would be draining for them. And similarly, there are things that I do as someone who runs their own business and so on, do my finances and fat returns <laughs> brings to mind. Um, I know that's what absolutely lights other people up. So there's nothing inherently energizing. And I think that one of the things that can be really useful to do is to, to recognize what your strengths are and, and commit to play to those strengths as fully as you possibly can. So I know that earlier in my career, I, if I look back, I would honestly say, yes, I did love my work in that first sort of decade of employment. I did, but I was probably getting about 80% of my job satisfaction from only about 20% of what I was doing. And the rest just went with the job. It was what I needed to do to, um, to deliver. And I think one of the things that I'm most proud of at this point, not just for myself, but where I've facilitated this for others as well, is having turned that equation around. And, you know, it's now that 80 plus percent of what I do energizes me and 20 percent or less is draining. So I think that's the, the bigger picture piece is if and there are ways, of course, of of discovering your strengths we can we can speak to that if it's helpful but getting a sense of your authentic strengths and committing to that sweet spot if you like as as fully as as you possibly can is absolutely 
one of the keys. I think the other thing that I know how to do at this point is I know how to move my mind around in time to energize myself when this moment right now isn't doing it. So if I find myself procrastinating a little bit over something, for example, and that's very draining, we all know how draining it is to be to procrastinate, then I might borrow some energy from the future of how excited and how wonderful it will be when it's done or tap into some values around delivering really well for my clients etc um or i might borrow some energy from the past you know i want to to take the finances example one of the things i do when i'm doing my uh, finances that does energize me even though the task itself doesn't is um I, if I'm doing an invoice, for example, I'm thinking about that conversation or that training or that facilitation, whatever it was, and remembering how rich that experience was and how how the aha moments and the joy of that experience. And I borrow that energy now, even, even paying my bills. I'm like, thank you, O2, for my mobile phone, you know, <laughs> thank, you, thank you, Virgin, for my broadband, you know, it's I, I find ways of moving myself around in space and time to energize this moment now. Um, uh, but yeah, there are there are a couple, there are other things I could say there, but there are a couple of things that I do to make sure that my energy levels stay high and that I've got momentum. I love that. And you've you've mentioned time, you've mentioned energy from borrowing it from the future and also from the past. And also being in the moment, I sense that you, you've got this handled as well. You, you know how to, you, you're like a time traveler, Kate. I love this. <laughs> I've never thought of it like this, but you're absolutely right, Amy. It's just your questions are brilliant. Um, but yeah, I, I do. And I, I think in, in terms of making sure that I stay settled in this moment has been more of a um more of a process for me over the years you know I'm somebody who does although I'm a big picture kind of a gal I do like to plan at least in headline terms to have a bit of a sense of you know targets and milestones and all of that kind of thing and that is useful but it takes you out of the moment and um and then you potentially if you get to you fall in love with the plan a little bit too much then of course you miss the opportunities that naturally arise that you couldn't possibly have anticipated so I absolutely uh done my best really to train myself to stay more present to the moment and to be to be fully embodied now there are times when that's really challenging of course um, when the going gets really, really tough, um, many of us do have a tendency to kind of come up into our heads. And the moment you're up in your head, you're not you're not in the moment. You're you're in your story about the moment, and that's risky because <laughs> you might be distracting yourself in an unhealthy way. Oh, it'll be fine, which is just head in the sand kind of thinking. Or you might be showing yourself some kind of disaster movie, catastrophizing and, and experiencing all kind of anxiety about problems that haven't happened yet and probably won't happen. So 
I have done a lot of work over the years to break, to enable myself to stay more in my body. And the fast track on that, of course, I'm sure most people are aware is just to pay attention to the breath. Um, if you're, if you're paying attention to your breath, that's be, before you even start thinking about changing it, you know, trying to do anything to shift your breathing, just noticing the breath because you're always breathing now. So the fastest way to get into now is to notice your breath. And then once you're in the now, it's easier to sort of settle in and do high quality thinking here and now. It's just having these little shortcuts that really help. And it's the shortcuts I'm interested in because you you sort of you've mentioned that the the purpose piece is not you're not able to take shortcuts. You're not able, it, this is a lifelong piece of work and we're always looking for those those ways of of cheating the system of of getting there sooner and and yet you know we don't want to we're going back to the time thing we don't want to wish away our life you know we want it to to enjoy the moment but as you said that it's bringing it right back to now gives us that more a bit that will more of an ability to stay in the moment. Now you've mentioned the word moment several times here, and I wanted to, you've talked about moments of recognition and you've all talked about aha moments. So I want to ask you about your moments of recognition or your aha moments. Well, there have been many over the years and it's so funny, isn't it? Because every time it happens, it's a little bit of a flash of the blindingly obvious. It's like, how could I not have seen this sooner? You know, but we don't see we don't see it until we're ready to see it, I, I believe anyway. And so I don't have any I don't beat myself up if it's taken me a while. I might say dull, <laughs> but I don't you know, I don't give myself a hard time about it. So I think one of the earliest for me was in the early days of my career when I as I said, I'd studied engineering. I'd gone into the nuclear industry. I was working as part of a um, project team. I was working hard to get chartered status. So I was moving around a lot, getting lots of different experiences. And what I noticed was that what energized me the most, what I drew the greatest satisfaction and fulfillment from was anything that was to do with the people and the relationships that were involved. And the abstract, you know, commune with a spreadsheet in the corner stuff, not so much, right? So that simple distinction of being more people-orientated than task-orientated was one of the first but biggest ahas for me personally. And as I started to think about that and think, okay, so where are the people and the relationships, you know, to whom I could make the biggest difference? I, I ended up doing all kinds of things that were way above my pay grade, quite frankly, just because I, I volunteered for them. I, I had a, a line manager at the time who was absolute genius level when it came to the technical side of the work but when it came to sitting down and having career conversations with people for example it was like it was 
was really not adding a massive amount of value. And so I offered to have a pre-chat with people to help them to prepare to have a good conversation with him and and all of that. And, you know, it's ridiculous. I look at it back at it now and I'm like, I can't believe that I really said that I would do that. But it was brilliant. It worked for, for everybody. And it was me cutting my teeth on something that would become a big part of my work going forward. You know, the, as I said, the 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 aha moment that said that I could make a living doing exactly that didn't come until much later. But looking back, I can see that it was there. And similarly, the uh, uh, one of the things that I absolutely love to do is to be a catalyst for freeing up all kinds of untapped potential. So that isn't always for the individual. It might be for a team or it might be a project that's um, that's hit a bit of a barrier and is, is stuck in some way. And it was while I was still working as an engineer that I, I, I noticed that the team I was part of, which was very client facing, very front end uh, to the engineering projects and the work that we did. And I, I noticed that we quite often went off a little bit half cocked and we do quite a lot of work on something that would then turn out not to be the real issue. So again, I thought about that a lot. I did some research around creative problem solving and problem definition. And I went to my boss with a little bit of a proposal to say, maybe we should spend a half day or so up front with the right people in the room and really explore what is the issue? What are we trying to achieve here? And, and then he said, yes, and OK, you can facilitate it. which <laughs> was a little bit of a, oh, uh, all right then. Um, but of course, that's still part of what I'm doing today is helping to, to free all of that up. So you most of the time both for me and for my clients when you once you spot the pattern you see just how far the pattern goes back but it's much easier to join the dots backwards than it is to see it from where we are now yeah I mean it, it is that and I think it was was it Steve Jobs who said about connecting the dots backwards I mean he might not have been the first person but it's the one that everybody seems to sort of reference absolutely it's a brilliant speech isn't it Stanford 2005 commencement speech I think if anybody's not seen that look it up on YouTube it's fantastic yeah, those commencement speeches are pretty impressive. I wish we we had it. We, we don't seem to have that as much in the UK, do we? Not that I'm aware of anyway, but it is a great speech. Yeah, missed opportunities for UK universities, I think. I, I don't remember having one at my university, but, you know, things may have changed since then. It's been a long time. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, very inspiring. And and in terms of, of the curiosity that has sort of pulled you forward into this this whole realm of coaching and and it is an incredible space to be in when done well clearly you know that it is it is that absolutely you've got someone who's different every day and you've got different conversations happening and you talked about being in a place where it doesn't feel like work again absolutely on this podcast, when I'm sitting here and I'm listening to people share their stories and here today, Kate, just listening to you, 
I forget sometimes that I'm supposed to ask questions. I'm, I'm so wrapped up in and listening. And I was like, oh, yes, it's me again now. <laughs> but I, I love it because I am just totally taken on this wonderful journey. And every conversation takes me on a different path. And that's what's so wonderful about purpose and why is that it is so unique. It is. And you said something very interesting to me, uh, Amy, a, a few minutes ago, you were asking about this idea of the, the process of discovery and shortcuts and not racing through things and so on. And it's that's so, so important to understand that it's, it is supposed to be a life's work to discover this. You know, I'm sitting here now in my early 50s. And if I had it all figured out, at this point, what's the next 50 years supposed to be for, <laughs> you know? So for me, that's what keeps it interesting. It's that ongoing discovery. And I think mastery of anything, including life in general, is a process of making finer and finer distinctions. Just making any expert in any subject is making finer distinctions than the rest of us mere mortals who are not an expert in their topic. And so as we make finer distinctions as we go through, we, we can hone in and we can be even more focused. And that doesn't narrow down the possibilities. It just deepens what we're focused on. And so there's a richness there in the depth that more than compensates for the kind of scattergun breadth that we might have experienced earlier in our careers. And it's, it's making sure that that niching process that is, is authentic, that's the key. For me, authenticity is the key to effortlessness, sustainability, resilience, a whole host of vital, vital things are underpinned by authenticity. So I hope this will be a lifelong journey of self-discovery that I will then translate into something that's of value to the world. And, and I think that is what is of greatest value to the world. If, if, if you try to do something that is really important if you try to make a contribution that is much needed in the world but which is not authentic for you that's the royal road to burnout okay but if you spot a need a genuine need in the world that you are totally you know it's totally u-shaped <laughs> you know it matches your strengths and your values and your passions that's where the magic happens. That's where the magic happens. And so for me, authenticity, I think particularly now in this period as we're, we're moving through the COVID pandemic and so on, I think it's been an opportunity for a lot of people to take stock and, and really rethink and revisit what matters most. And I would actively encourage anybody who's listening to this to really reflect on the work that doesn't feel like work for them. And what does that tell you about who you really are and who you're not? And how could you maybe 
transition. It doesn't have to be a big leap like the kind that I made. It can be a gentler transition if that's what's needed because you've got financial responsibilities or for whatever reason. But gradually just commit to joy along the way. Right? We're supposed to love the journey because every, every destination we arrive at is just the starting point for whatever's after that. Right. And, and that's one of the things I think we've all been trained for, usually by well-intentioned parents, teachers, bosses, etc. over the years. We've been trained to postpone our happiness to get the job done. And so that leads many people, I think, to believe that either they can achieve amazing things or they can be very happy and contented. But it's kind of an either or. And I think that the best example of that at the moment is a lot of the what I see on social media and so on around well-being, which is all about not working or not working so much. And for me, what brings those two things together and translates that either or thinking into an and is authenticity. Because when you're playing to your authentic strength, not not the things that you're good at because you put blood, sweat and tears into getting good at them. But when you literally think about what you were born for, what you're wired and ready for and, and everything that you've discovered so far along the way, what that supports. When you play to those strengths, those authentic strengths, you it, your work energizes you. And that promotes your well-being. So it's not just in your best interest to be in your sweet spot. It's in everybody's best interest because, you know, the customers and the business that you work for get your best work and it's sustainable for the long haul. And that, I think, matters now more than ever. Wow. So I, what I've just taken away from that is this journey that people are on and they are either on a road to self-discovery or they're on the, the royal road to burnout and, and that you need to do a U-turn, a U-turn if, you right. if you're on that, on that road to, to burnout, because, and, which is a totally U-shaped movement. And what I love about all of this that you're sharing here is absolutely it's what matters most but it's what matters most to you and it's having those blinkers on we can so easily get distracted and, and see other people's journeys and I've been so guilty of this as myself Kate of of graduating from many shiny penny universities you know <laughs> I, I think you know, I've got a PhD in that my goodness <laughs> uh, but that then but that's part of the the purpose that the evolution of purpose of seeking it is that you have to try lots of different things you know because if you just planted on one it goes right back to that that moment right at the beginning where you you found the the courage and the 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 strength to, to sort of pull yourself through into something that was important to you and and that was that was what was right at that time and you knew that but it wasn't going to be easy and that's what you know go back to the shortcuts again it's not easy you know, if it was, then everybody would have found their purpose or discovered their purpose or choose their purpose or live their purpose. You know, it, it is a, an evolution that you have to be willing to to work with and grow. It is. And that's the fun. Right. It's I always say the discoveries are on the detours. 
Okay. And if you make discoveries while you're on what seems like a detour, then it's not a detour. <laughs> it's, it's absolutely part of the path. So the wonderful thing about all of this is that life is constantly giving us clues. It's every moment of every day, life is showing you who you really are and who you're not. Okay. Or at least not yet. And for me, that's the distinction I would make around doing hard things. I think when you are in your sweet spot and you've already cultivated the supporting skills, you've made some insights and some knowledge and so on, that's when you can tap into flow. And it's not only easy, it's effortless. It's exhilarating. But that doesn't usually happen when we are new at something, right? When we are first timer, when we really got our L plates firmly fixed front and back on something. So for me, you know, you and I met um, Amy in the Professional Speaking Association and I joined the Professional Speaking Association um, with um, you know, a good few years of training experience under my belt, about probably about 15 years at that point. Um, but with nothing more than an aspiration to do more speaking, you know, keynoting and that kind of thing. And it hasn't always been easy. I'm still being brave at times. And every time you're in a, an unfamiliar situation, it takes courage. You used that word earlier. It does take courage, but I love Brené Brown's definition of courage, the distinction she makes between um, the, the use of the word courage, courageous and just brave is remember that the Latin root of the word courage is cur, which means heart, right? Being willing to follow your heart, you know, still with your head engaged, but follow your heart and go where you're being led without any certainties of exactly how it's going to unfold. And you know what we call that? We call that an adventure, right? So one of the things that I love to explore is this idea of authentic adventure. You know, I'm not one of these people. There are some amazing people in the PSA, the Speaking Association, who are uh, who have climbed Everest and have done all of the, you know, they're Olympic and Paralympic athletes. And, and, and I am in awe of them and their version of courage and adventure. But that's not for all of us. And for me, my adventures have been a lot more on the inside, you know, reflecting, discovering, making new connections and insights and so on. But where I have had to take those courageous steps forward, knowing that, yes, I'm. this might not yet be easy, but it is on my path. It is the, it's the, it's the route to a new level of ease and peace of mind and contribution and flow. And it's about making the decisions now and taking the inspired actions now that may not be completely comfortable at first, but the payoff is huge, absolutely huge. And overall, the net effect is a, of a life that contains far less struggle than the life we end up leading if we don't follow those loving impulses. Mm -hmm.
So short-term struggle while we're new at something and it's all a bit clunky versus the long-term pain of feeling like there must be more to life than this. For me, there is no, it's no contest. It's no contest. Love it. Kate, I need to ask you a, a question. Do you enjoy driving? <laughs> I do love driving. And um, it's it's funny. I Obviously, even in this conversation today, we have used the driving uh, metaphor a lot. I use it a lot in my speaking and in my teaching and so on. I'm even writing a book that's based on this metaphor right now. <laughs> um and this idea of finding your cruise control setting and all of that, I absolutely love it. But yes, I, I love the idea that we, we are all on a journey and we are, the journey is ours. I think a big part of what the challenge, but also the opportunity is to reclaim the journey as our own to decide where we want to be and what we want to contribute and more importantly, what we want to create and experience along the way. So I talk a lot about this idea of what, what I call, I know it's going to sound cheesy, but for me, it's so, so true. You can drive for your dreams and love the journey. And loving the journey is the bit that very few of us were trained for. And I hope that in my own small way, I'm contributing to rebalancing that equation. Yeah. And, and, you know, whatever you do, when you get in that car and you're on your journey, don't forget to pack your purpose sat nav. <laughs> Absolutely. Because it is your, uh, whether people, we've all got a really, really smart inner being that is available to us. We, we tend to use different labels for that. Amy, you know, some people might, might use the word soul. Some people might say, you know, deep self. Some people might say inner genius, right? But we've all got this aspect, this really deeply authentic aspect of who we really are that really knows who we are and what we want and so on. And it's constantly trying to get our attention. And that inner sat-nav is your emotions. If, if you are, if the thought that you're thinking or the action you're embarking on right now is in alignment with who you really are it will feel harmonious in your body you will feel good you will feel passionate enthusiastic you'll have peace of mind you may experience bliss from time to time and in those moments of struggle and I'm not talking about physical struggle I'm talking about mental and emotional struggle that's a that's a result of our energy being split that who you really are and who you're being in the moment, you know, the thoughts that you're thinking in this moment, there's a gap and you feel, it feels like that, doesn't it? It feels like you're torn apart on the inside when you're deeply stressed or anxious or, you know, it's, it's just, I think tuning yourself to the idea that there is a deeper, wiser part of you that is available to you 24 seven. And is known to you by how harmonious you feel within yourself in the moment. You start to pay attention to that and you start to trust those loving impulses and you listen to those loving impulses, the, the encouragement to go for something that matters to you and so on. 
if you listen to love more than you listen to fear, that is the fast track to your authentic path. And um, and the wonderful thing about it is that it, in that experience of coming fully alive, you know, bringing your whole self to your work and your life, you make the biggest possible difference to everyone around you. And that is, I can't, just can't see how it can be any better than that. <laughs> Well, Kate, I think that's probably where we need to leave it then if it can't get any better. But thank you so much for your journey of authenticity and self-discovery. It's been fabulous hearing why you do what you do. How would people get in contact with you, Kate? The best place to find me where I tend to hang out is on LinkedIn. So please look me up. Um, I think I'm listed there as Kate Trafford FPSA. Um, please look me up on LinkedIn and connect. I would absolutely be delighted to hear from any of your listeners. And yeah, that's the best place to find me. Amazing. Thank you. And how would you like to close out today's episode, please, Kate? Well, I, first of all, I'd just like to thank you so much for the opportunity, but also the, the richness of this conversation. This is a great example of the magic that can happen when you're willing to just show up fully in the moment and explore what matters most. And I'm so grateful to you for this conversation. And I wish that everybody who is listening to this will go away and think about the moments when they feel most fully alive. And what does that tell you about who you really are and what you're most passionate to contribute? Thanks, Amy. Thank you for listening to Focus on Why with me, Amy Rowlandson. To show your appreciation and to help other listeners understand what value you have received from tuning in today, please leave me an Apple Podcasts five-star review. Remember, the conversation doesn't end here. To keep it going, connect with me on LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook or Twitter or join the inspiring, uplifting and positive Focus on Why Facebook group. All the links are in the show notes. Have a purpose, have a plan, focus on why.